welcome to Living Freely Podcast, where our mission is to provide you with down-to-earth topics on mental wellness and realistic tips for living life more balanced and achieving optimal mental health. Living Freely Podcast is brought to you by Norfolk, Virginia Public Libraries and is hosted by myself, Rachel Ann Dine, licensed professional counselor with 15 years in the mental health field and very passionate about providing you with realistic strategies. With new episodes coming out weekly. Join in as I tackle relevant topics for personal growth, one podcast episode at a time. Be well and live well. Hi, welcome back to Living Freely. Excited again that you are joining in to hopefully benefit and work on your own mental wellness. So today is a topic that is extremely close to my own heart because it's what I do for a living. And it is going to be all about finding a therapist, knowing what to expect. This is essentially the episode where we are going to decode what it's like to actually go to therapy because depending on certain information you've received from friends, your family, um, messages from your family of origin on their thoughts of going to a stranger essentially and talking to them, your own view may be one where Going to a therapist has been avoided because you don't know what to expect. Um, I know there can be a lot of nerves surrounding seeking out help from a therapist, rightfully so. Really, going to therapy is such a vulnerable experience. Um, Opening up to someone who you've never spoken to, some of the common questions and themes that I have heard in the past are people were unsure on whether or not they would mesh well with the therapist. They did not know, was this going to be a situation where I'm going in and laying down on that proverbial couch that we see in in movies and TV shows. So today, I want to just break down what it's like to go to therapy uh, from a therapist, and I'll share a little bit about my own style um, just to give you some information so that if you have been thinking, okay, maybe now's the time to reach out, you feel empowered to do so. And some of these myths about going to therapy are debunked. And the process of reaching out to talk to a counselor is um, normalized and validated. So let me go ahead and just jump right in here. I want to start by highlighting just a couple ways, a couple tipping points where you may know, okay, it's, it's time. I need to reach out. I just need to go ahead and make it happen. So it becomes really easy in everyday life to sweep problems under that rug, you know, just sweep it under the carpet and keep it moving. And so sometimes it can become confusing. All right, am I at the point where I need to reach out to somebody? So in previous episodes, we have already talked about, but I want to make sure this information just keeps flowing. If at any point you or you know someone 
who is experiencing suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideation, attempts, behaviors, 100%. um, If they're an imminent risk of harm, we need to get them to the nearest local emergency department. If they are able to contract for safety, there is the suicide crisis hotline. But this is truly an indication that it's time to get plugged in with a therapist. So that goes without saying. I just want to put that little disclaimer out there. But if you're listening and you've noticed an uptick in anxiety, depression, stress, you may be thinking, okay, how bad is bad enough? You know, do I have to be in complete dire straits to reach out to a counselor? The answer to that is absolutely no. You can reach out and talk to somebody at any time for any reason. You don't have to be at a point where you can't get out of bed or your anxiety, you're having anxiety attacks around the clock. No. If you feel like you could benefit from processing out some kind of personal issue that's occurring for you, whether it's marital issues, you're stressed because you don't know how to manage maybe your child's behavior. Maybe you are just feeling the need to go in because you've noticed that you are a complete perfectionist. And as a result, it's increasing a lot of stress for you. And I I just, these are amongst many reasons why you can always reach out to somebody. There doesn't have to be even a crisis occurring. And I think that's the first common misconception that folks have is that you have to be in a really negative headspace before you reach out. That is not the case. You are allowed to reach out and connect with somebody at any given point. But here are a couple quick um hopefully validating points for you to encourage you to make the call and schedule an appointment. So first and foremost, if whatever you may be going through is now impairing your functioning of daily living, it's time to see a therapist. So as we've alluded to in previous episodes, I won't get too deep into this. It's 100% natural to experience that anxiety, to experience sadness, feeling stress overload. But if you notice that these experiences of stress, anxiety, depression, or whatever else, maybe you're grieving and it's really causing you to neglect everyday duties. You're not taking care of yourself the way that you used to. You're not interacting with people the way that you used to. Reach out. Go ahead and reach out. So if whatever's going on is impairing your ability to function on a daily level, it's time. Number two, if your friends and family are telling you that they don't know how to help, that they don't know what to say anymore, and they're not quite sure how to talk to you about whatever you have going on, and they're encouraging you to go see a counselor, and they're they're saying this from a place of love. They're not saying this because they're just trying to shut you off and shut you up then this is something to potentially listen to. So the people who love us and care about us, they're going to give us that honest feedback. And it can be really uncomfortable sometimes. But I encourage you to listen to the feedback of a person who you trust. This is the key point. If you trust someone, you love them, 
you value their opinion, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a colleague who you just adore and the feeling is mutual and they're telling you, hey, have you ever thought about going to talk to somebody? This is a great opportunity to explore what would cause them to say that and potentially think about maybe going and following up on that suggestion. So if you've never been to a therapist, it can be really easy to build it up in your mind sometimes as an admission of failure, to think that you can't do things on your own. And here is the truth. You absolutely can live life on your own. But if you're going through a difficult or stressful time, why not seek some added support in your precious life? It's so important. And the other caveat is that sometimes, and I'll get more into this, but I just want to throw it out there. Sometimes people think that going to therapy is going to be this very staunch, rigid, austere experience where, you know, sometimes we've seen it portrayed on television. Like I've already mentioned, you know, the person is just sitting there in the office or I've seen a lot of the client laying down on a couch and you know, pouring out their soul and the therapist is just nodding their head saying, mm-hmm, go on, mm-hmm. Let me go ahead and just break that myth. That is not how it's done, thank goodness, in our current time period. And if you're seeing somebody and you're having that experience, it's time to maybe reflect on whether or not they're the best match. So I'm going to get further into this, but truly at the end of the day, when you seek out treatment from a counselor or a therapist. It's it's two humans sitting in a room being authentic and real with one another. And you if you're the client, you're seeking some, you know, assistance on whatever you may be going through and a therapist has has been specially trained trained in a set of skills and strategies to help you better face whatever it is that you have going on. Um, so I just have to go ahead and break this down. I can't tell you how many times I've even heard, oh my gosh, this is therapy? This is not what I thought it was going to be. I I love it. And um, it's just interesting to hear that feedback because I do think that there are still those myths and misconceptions about what the process is like. And if you find the right fit of a therapist, I mean, there, there will absolutely be times where the two of you You're just humans. You're just sitting across from each other talking out whatever it is that you have going on. So the third kind of tipping point that I encourage you to pay attention to is if you feel like you're on an endless cycle of negativity in your thinking, your behavior, or both, and you cannot seem to change it, this is a great indication that It may be time to reach out and talk to somebody. So if you wake up every morning and you just have those thoughts of, this is my life, how am I going to do this? And you feel that fatigue, that emotional exhaustion, which is so applicable to everything that we have going on right now, and you, you notice it's not letting up. So even you take a mental health day from work or um, you go on a trip with your family or by yourself or whatever, you're trying those self-care strategies um, on a daily basis. Maybe you're going to play golf or you're going to get your nails done or your hair done and you still notice you leave and you think, gosh, that didn't help at all. 
this is this is definitely an indicator okay there may be something deeper going on and we need to talk it out we need to find some other strategies to help you get through this time so therapists are trained to listen for certain negative thoughts that could be in turn causing you to behave in a, in a negative way and so personally, for me, I love being able to get to the root causes of why maybe somebody is engaging in people-pleasing behavior. Maybe they are such a high perfectionist that it's causing a great deal of anxiety and stress. Maybe um, someone is, is choosing an unhealthy partner or flashbacks of negative experiences from childhood are coming up or you've received negative messages as a child. And as a result, it's causing you to have low self-esteem in the here and now. Um, that's that's the beauty of therapy. Uh, once you start talking, sometimes it can open up and the root cause is found. And some of those explanations, oh, this is why I don't feel capable. Or this is why I don't feel worthy of receiving what it is I deserve in my life. Um, so I can't say enough about the therapeutic process, but certainly if you're feeling like you're on that endless cycle of negativity and you, no matter what you've been trying, you can't seem to shake it, it's time. Reach out. So then we've got the kind of fourth tipping point. So then you recognize that how and what you're doing in your life is not good for you but you just can't seem to stop. And this one applies to so many different experiences. Whether you're finding you're working way too much and as a result, you feel burnt out, but you don't know where to stop and how to start to set those healthy boundaries. If you find that you're drinking more than you want to be drinking, but you don't know how to stop it or maybe you know that your partner is not treating you in the way that he or she should be in the way that you truly deserve, but you just don't know, okay, well, how do I change it? This is overwhelming to me. Great time to reach out to a counselor and really start to strategize, okay, what do I need to do differently? How can I handle these difficult situations? Whatever is going on, receiving that set of feedback and empirically validated skills that you can apply to whatever situation that you're in. I truly believe that when anyone comes to even work with me, I, I subscribe to the philosophy that everybody is their own best expert. And typically, most people know what they need to do, but there's some struggles in actually living it out. And so that's what a therapist can help you with, deciding what is the fear surrounding being more assertive or setting those healthy boundaries? What's preventing you from creating healthier habits in your life? And so I just have to say, I always have full confidence that people know when something is happening. People know when an issue is coming up for them, but it's it can also be very easy to continue to tell yourself that you can handle it all on your own, that you don't need to ask for help. And again, some of that comes from messages that you may have received growing up or how, you know, your current family views reaching out for help or going to seek assistance. Um, 
it can prevent you from reaching out and stating your desired needs. So another quick tidbit on when it's time to reach out. So maybe you have recently experienced a crisis in your life and you're having a hard time moving on and just feeling back to your old self. I see this come up quite a bit. So, you know, whether you've had a miscarriage or a job loss, divorce, infidelity, death of a loved one, in these situations, really in any difficult situation, you're not abnormal for struggling to get through a tough situation. The one statement that I will share is that I have just seen how human beings can be so hard on themselves and think, okay, I just lost someone or potentially I just had a miscarriage. I should be able to bounce back in a week. Like I should be fine. Why am I experiencing these difficult thoughts? Or I'm having a lot of job-related stressors. I should be able to just handle this when humans were meant to lean on one another. We were not meant to do it all alone. And so if you find that any of this resonates with you and you're just having a really hard time moving on and just bouncing back and feeling like your old self, definitely it's time to reach out. So adjusting to life can be extremely difficult. And There are certainly different periods in life where you may be having a hard time adjusting. For some people, it can be reaching a new decade, so getting older, um, and then you have all these different thoughts come up for you. I know that we live in a huge military-populated community. If you are finding, whether you're active duty or you're the, the spouse or a family member of an active duty service member, and you're really struggling with this move and this transition to Hampton Roads, it is definitely time to reach out and talk with someone and figure out what are, again, those strategies, receive some feedback. And then probably one of my favorite parts of being a therapist is the ability to validate a fellow human being who is struggling with where they are in their life. Um, Sometimes one of the most healing pieces of reaching out for counseling is to receive validation and support um, and just being able to hear from somebody, hey, I get it. It is, it is very hard. It's hard to move across the country and start over. It is hard to lose a loved one um, and just receive that complete validation. So those are my go-to tipping off points when it is time to reach out to somebody. And so I highly encourage you to consider any of those. But truly, at the end of the day, there doesn't have to be any crisis going on. There doesn't have to be any major issue occurring. If you just notice that, hey, maybe I could benefit from what I like to call just a tune-up. You know, I, I've struggled with anxiety in the past. It's kind of surfacing just a little bit, but it's not that bad. Reach out. Reach out. Why not get that added level of support from someone who cares and who specializes and can help you with where you're at in your life? So, The next piece I want to break down, because I also hear a lot of confusion about this, um, the different credentials. So if you look on any Google 
search or, you know, the resource I always tell you about, www.psychologytoday.com, you're going to see a lot of names and a lot of letters behind each name. And so I want to take some time to break that down because even I've heard confusion from people about what do those letters mean? Who do I need to go to? And so we're going to cover all of that. And I'll, I'll let you know kind of what to expect and what to look for. Please know that the terms therapist and counselor are fairly interchangeable. So for the sake of this podcast episode, if I say counselor, it's the same thing as therapist. If I say therapist, it's the same thing as a counselor. Um, so we're going to break it down and I'll give you the full scope on what to look for, starting with the first, if you do a Google search and you see MD, medical doctor, at the end, that is typically referring to a psychiatrist. So a psychiatrist historically does not provide the 55-minute counseling session. So a psychiatrist is there to provide you with medication management. So if you're wanting to try, you know, an antidepressant, an anti-anxiety, or you're on some kind of mood stabilizer, that's going to be managed by a psychiatrist. A therapist and a counselor do not prescribe medication. Um, but a psychiatrist who goes to medical school and receives specific training, that is their skill set and their expertise. Sometimes if you go to your primary care physician wanting to try some kind of um, antidepressant medication or medication for mental health, they're going to refer you to a psychiatrist. Alternately, sometimes if you start the therapeutic process and you have, you know, talked to your therapist about the symptoms that you're experiencing, what's been going on, they may refer you to a psychiatrist. And so what I like to encourage people to know what to expect, typically the first session when you meet with a psychiatrist is they will meet with you for a lengthier time, um, usually 45 minutes or so. They're going to get your full background history, what's bringing you in, your symptoms, all that good stuff. And then they're going to give you a prescription for medication. And then follow-up appointments may be scheduled out you know, in a month. Or, and then if everything's going well, you love the new medication, then they may space it to every three months. So it's a, it's a much less frequent visit usually, and that is what I like to go ahead and just put out there. So MD is a psychiatrist. The next level of credentials that you may often see on your search for a practitioner is a psychologist. And a psychologist typically has earned their doctorate in psychology, and they will most often have the letters PhD, PsyD, which is PSYD, or received a doctorate in education and have an EDD at the end of their names. So many psychologists provide psychiatric testing. So Oftentimes, if you have a child and you're wondering, do they have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, a psychologist will be one to provide you with formal psychiatric testing. They've been specially trained in such, but many, many psychologists also practice at the independent level and 
provide individual counseling. So hopefully that clears that up. So a psychologist has a doctorate, which is that added layer of education. They're typically writing a dissertation, which is a huge paper um, performing research. And they are able to offer that traditional outpatient individual counseling. Okay, so the next layer that I just want to get out there, this these are probably going to be credentials that you see pop up all the time. We've got an LPC and an LCSW, and I don't want to confuse you with all these acronyms, but essentially, LPC is a licensed professional counselor. That is the credential that I have. So this means that the clinician has gone and received their master's in psychology. So I'm speaking uh, from that angle right now. So I got my undergrad in psychology, then got my master's in psychology with an emphasis in counseling, and then went on to receive two years of post-master's training and supervision so that I could receive that license to practice at the independent level. And so LPCs, that's what they are called in the state of Virginia. Um, back where I'm from, it's it's a different, different set of letters at the end of my name. But for the sake of Virginia, it's LPC. And we primarily specialize in providing individual counseling. So that traditional therapeutic interaction um, for just individual treatment. So then very similar to an LCSW, licensed clinical social worker. Um, Typically, a social worker also has had a completion of a master's program in clinical social work, and then they've gone on for those added years to get that licensure requirement. Um, Both LCSW and uh, licensed professional counselor, we have to sit for the state boards and pass them to be able to be awarded that license. So absolutely, um, when you see the licensed professional counselor or licensed clinical social worker, both Both are great options for receiving individual counseling. And then not to confuse you even more, but I'm going to throw out, sometimes you may see an MFT, marriage and family therapist. So typically a clinician who is a marriage and family therapist has completed a master's program in marriage and family therapy. And those that have the L, that licensed marriage and family therapist credential, have also completed the added licensure requirements, which can involve, you know, in addition to LPC and LCSW, taking those state board exams and getting those supervision hours to be able to practice at the independent level. So the last little piece I want to throw out there is in the state of Virginia, there is also a resident in counseling and a supervisee in social work. And typically, these individuals are working on receiving their license. And so I just have to throw this out there because sometimes I hear people say, oh, no, I only want to go to somebody who has a license. And I get that. I definitely understand that. But just know that a resident in counseling, typically they're fresher out of school. Um, and so they are working to obtain that license and they're a great option. So supervisees in social work, residents in counseling, 
they often are unable to accept health insurance. Um, there's a couple exceptions to that, but I'm, I won't get all into that. It gets to be a lot. But so typically they offer a reduced fee for counseling. So if you're listening to this and thinking, gosh, I don't even have health insurance. How would I be able to afford counseling? I think a great option is to seek out either a resident in counseling or that supervisee in social work because they typically want to help you and um, provide you with treatment. And because they're not able to take health insurance, they will often offer reduced rates for their sessions. So all something to consider on your search. And hopefully that clears up a little bit of information because there are quite a few acronyms and letters after people's names. And so the main thing to understand is that a psychiatrist prescribes medication only. They're not going to be providing you with that weekly individual counseling for the traditional 45 to 53 minute therapy session. And that when you're looking for an individual counselor or a family counselor, that's when I encourage you to seek out the um, licensed counselor, the, the resident in counseling, the supervising in social work, or of course, your doctoral level provider. Now, let's move on, and I want to talk to you about what to actually look for when you are seeking out a counselor, because this is very important. Biggest disclaimer I'm going to put out there, sometimes it takes trying a couple different therapists before you find your ideal match. So do not lose hope. If you go to a counselor, it was already just nerve-wracking enough making the appointment, you filled out the intake information, you got your insurance squared away, and you show up for the session and it is not what you expected, you don't feel like you clicked with that provider, you did not feel comfortable, okay, know that this happens. Therapists at the end of the day are people too. And the biggest statement here is to not let that deter you from your search for help. Um, this happens. This happens. We we as human beings, I mean, think about in your own life. Um, I, I think it would be safe to assume that you probably don't click with every coworker you have or um, every person you've come into interaction with. It can be the same with your provider. So that that can be very discouraging. You know, sometimes I I meet with people and they say, "Gosh, you know, I've tried several different therapists. It's been such a hard journey, and I just have to stop them and say, "Well, I commend you on keeping the search going, um, because that if you don't feel comfortable or you don't feel a human connection and click with the person who you're supposed to be processing difficult and very, you know, private and intimate details about your life with." the experience may not be as successful as it could be. Um, the biggest piece of going to therapy is that oftentimes the the relationship that you build with your therapist is the most healing one of all. So trusting your therapist, being able to openly talk about anything that's going on and feel comfortable with them is huge. So then the next piece is that 
definitely the counselor who you seek treatment from should have a set of skills to provide to you where whether it is a form of cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, this should be an experience where when you leave, you feel like you're more confident to know how to handle situations. You feel better equipped. Um, there can absolutely be some venting and some verbal expression of what is causing you to feel upset in your life within the confines of your therapy appointment. But truly, at the end of the day, I fully subscribe to the philosophy that each client I meet with should also be given a set of skills to be able to better manage the difficulties. So whereas that act of catharsis, the venting, the expression of difficult emotions can be healing in and of itself, your therapist should help you also have a set of skills to be able to manage the situation that you may be going through. Um, so definitely keep that in mind. Always listen to, I'm going to go back to the importance of trusting the provider that you go in and see. So always listen to your gut instinct. Um, there is some research that's been done where it's said that people can determine whether or not they can trust someone within 50 milliseconds of meeting them. And so I encourage you, use your already you know, senses that you have to pick up on whether or not, okay, I feel comfortable. I'm picking up on a positive energy here or not to get all woo-woo on you, but I'm feeling a good vibe when I meet this person because oftentimes we already are equipped with being able to understand ourselves and know, hey, I really like this person or I don't feel comfortable. There's something about them I just don't like. Listen to that experience. And it will make such a difference. So if you have tried to make it work with a current therapist and there's just something about it, you just don't feel right, It what a, a night and day experience, hopefully, when you do find somebody who you do really enjoy meeting with, um, because that's how it should be, is that you should feel very comfortable and trust your counselor to assist you. Um, so then we've got a couple other pieces. Um, we need somebody who's able to walk you through an explanation of the symptoms that you're experiencing and can assist in pointing out, you know, and asking you the right set of questions to establish triggers for why you may be experiencing an increase in anxiety or depression. And then again, help provide those skills so that you're able to make healthy changes. Here is the biggest also caveat statement when it comes to seeking a therapist. You're meeting with a, a person, you know, your provider for one hour essentially a week. The real work happens outside of the session. So that is the one statement that I always try to explain to anyone is that Whereas going to see your counselor is huge and hearing the feedback and processing out difficult situations, your therapist should provide you with that set of individualized techniques that will hopefully help you manage the stress 
anxiety, grief, whatever you're experiencing. But then once you leave that office and you get in your car and you hit that real world life, it is up to you to apply those skills and techniques. And that's when the changes start to happen. So going to see a counselor is not a magic pill or offering where just because you're going for that weekly 45 to 53 minute session, your life will magically change. No, just like with anything else in life, the work is dependent and the changes are dependent on how much you're willing to put in. So I just had to put that disclaimer out there because, um, it's not an overnight effect. It's not an overnight effect. And I think sometimes people can become discouraged when that instant change or success doesn't happen. But with anything, as I always allude to in some of our podcast sessions, change takes time. So if you're attempting to change, let's say you have a negative set of inner beliefs about yourself. When you were growing up, your family told you you would not amount to anything. You will never be successful. And as an adult, you still hear those voices in your head. You still have those messages. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Whatever it could be. We know however old you are, if you're 20, 30, 40, or 50, it is going to, or older, it's going to take time to unlearn a set of negative beliefs that are going on for you. That's that's the piece of this, is that it does take time to make healthy changes, but what a rewarding experience when you are actively engaged in your life and trying to make those healthy changes. You are utilizing the techniques being given to you, and you are feeling and seeing the changes that you've always wanted to make. This is what keeps me going as a therapist. When the light bulb turns on, things start to click, and my clients are feeling those positive effects of taking charge of their life and making those healthy changes. It is exciting. It's exciting. I have not met one therapist who doesn't agree with me on that. That's what keeps us engaged in our work. Um, and it is truly a joy when we are able to observe and you know, celebrate with our clients the positive effects and changes that they're making in their lives. So these are all huge pieces. Um, so the, the next piece is we want you to go to somebody who's going to bring some attention to the progress of therapy and communicate this with you. So we want somebody who's going to give some real authentic feedback. You know, in a lot of ways, a therapist isn't a yes person. There's going to be difficult interactions sometimes. And by difficult, I mean, hopefully there's going to be some real truths that are discussed. And of course, your therapist that you've chosen should do so in a sensitive and kind manner. But this is not going to be a session where it's going to be, yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. I mean, um, that's the way I like to view therapy is if I'm not providing honest feedback in a kind and sensitive way, how can I help someone? Um, it's a different interaction than it is through talking with your best girlfriend or um, a mentor somewhere else in your life. It's going to a therapist is a completely 
unbiased, should be 100% non-judgmental interaction where they're providing you with that real feedback to implement and enact those real changes in your life. So keep that in mind. Um, so then also, this is this goes without saying, when you go to talk to your counselor, no topic should be off limits. Now, there's a big difference because if you are, maybe you're struggling with substance abuse and you're going to see someone who is a specialist in family therapy and their your your current therapist who's a family therapist says hey i really think that you would benefit from seeing someone who specializes in substance abuse that is completely appropriate and this may happen so if you go see someone and you realize okay maybe our our um topics of therapy that is not my current therapist specialty and so the therapist using their professional judgment may go ahead and say hey i have this great referral for you i want you to get the best help that you can I love it. That's that's doing a great job on the counselor's part. However, if you bring up a topic that could be potentially um, difficult for you, first of all, so let's say that you want to bring up what's currently going on regarding any religious difficulties, racial issues, um, sexual orientation, um, abuse, things of this nature, and your therapist meets you by shutting it down and saying, I, I, I'm not comfortable discussing this. This is a potential red flag, 100%. Because when you go and speak to a counselor, they should be comfortable to leave their own biases at the door and openly process out with you what is causing you to feel a certain way, allow you to express your emotional stance on whatever it is you're bringing to the table. But like I've already said, there is a huge difference from them being judgmental and saying, "Mm -mm, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't talk about that. Versus saying, hey, so you're struggling struggling with your sexual identity. I have a great therapist who specializes and has received specialized training in this particular topic. Let me refer you to them. Because once again, therapists have their own limitations. It's, it's impossible to know everything about everything. And so most therapists are going to have a clinical niche. So for me, it's that high-functioning anxiety, um, helping clients who have perfectionistic tendencies, high-achieving and type A personality types, and as a result are experiencing that exacerbation and anxiety. You are my people. You are the ones who I am extremely proficient in helping. However, I have to know my own limitations. So I encourage you also, when seeking a counselor, look for someone who could potentially be an expert, a specialist in whatever it is you're going through. So that grief, um, you know, postpartum depression, or I'm just trying to think of topics off of my head, or maybe it is you're confused about your sexual orientation, or you want to explore, um, you know, family of origin issues. So you seek out a marriage and family therapist, whatever the situation could be, there is most likely some kind of specialist who is well-versed in a set of skills and strategies to assist you with where you are at. And if they don't know, 
most professionals have a list of referrals and resources that they can provide for you. So in kind of, you know, summing up the episode for today, I can't stress to you enough. There are a couple key points I want to put out there. The first one being, if you get ready, you go to see a counselor, it's your first time ever, and it just does not click. You did not enjoy it. You don't like that person. And as a result, you feel very discouraged, rightfully so, because going to therapy is an act of being vulnerable and expressing yourself, but you don't like what what the outcome was of the therapist setting. You didn't feel comfortable. Please don't lose hope. Do not let this halt your search for finding someone There is somebody out there for everyone. So keep that in mind. Don't lose hope with that being said. Also know that often the first, the hardest part of therapy is going to the first session. Once you go to that first session, let's say you connect with somebody and you realize, oh my gosh, okay, this is actually kind of fun. I like to learn about myself. I like to talk about myself and what is going on with me. Where else in your life do you receive a full 45 minutes or 53 minute session where you're not being judged. Somebody is raptly listening to you and offering you a set of individualized feedback to help you be better in life. This doesn't happen often. Most conversations we have with people, they are chomping at the bit to voice their opinion or get a little judgmental, go ahead and just say it, or act like they know what's best for you. So consider therapy being a the total ultimate act of self-care, of you seeking out someone who's neutral, who's not going to spend the session talking about themselves and Actually, if you're going to a therapist and you're finding that they're talking a lot about themselves and their own issues, this is also a red flag. When you see a clinician, it is your time. The focus should be on you, okay? This is not your therapist therapy session. This is your session. And I wouldn't bring that up if I hadn't heard of it happening before, so I just want to also put that out there. So yes, make sure you're comfortable. Make sure you trust that person. And... Let the search keep going if if you're struggling. And then also know at the end of the day, there doesn't even need to be some major catastrophic event for you to reach out to somebody. You can reach out to a counselor anytime your heart desires. So my favorite resource, again, www.psychologytoday.com. The reason I'm always talking about that one is that it's just so easy. It lays everything out, um, the specialties, the insurances accepted, pretty much any information you could imagine. There's also a great other resource called goodtherapy.org, similar to Psychology Today, has a list of local therapists. And then you can also take to Googling or doing an internet search of therapists near me and see who comes up. And then last but not least, like I always say, don't hesitate to check in with a trusted family member or friend who you know has gone to therapy and see if they have a referral source for you to assist you with wherever you are in your life. So 
I hope that this has helped to normalize the experience of going to seek help for yourself. Know that there will be times where you and your counselor, you may just crack up laughing. You may really develop such a strong relationship. You guys have a similar sense of humor and it becomes something fun that you look forward to. However, on the flip side, there are moments where maybe you shed tears. Maybe you are just so vulnerable and so real but it creates that healing space for you. And for me, that's one of my favorite parts of being a counselor, holding space for clients to express themselves, to be who they want to be, to talk about what they want to talk about. Um, Because I find that that is so, so healing in our lives where often we have so many expectations placed upon us. We've been maybe put into a hole of how we should be acting and who you should be and what personality you should have. Coming to therapy helps to create the corrective emotional experience in your life. And from there, that is where the growth can come. So if you're ready to open up and engage in sometimes the hard work that comes from going to therapy or you're wanting to process difficult situations or just receive a source of support, it is always appropriate to reach out. So here is to you on finding the right therapist for you um, as you go through this journey of life that we're all in. And as always, I hope that you live well and are being well. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Living Freely Podcast, where we are bringing you all of the down-to-earth and realistic information on achieving optimal mental health. Like what you've heard, consider giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts so that we can be enjoyed by other listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We will see you next week.